I'd like to welcome to the show star Tom Meaton of the upcoming film debuting at South by Southwest Film Festival, Paul Dude's Deadly Lunch Break. How are you today, sir? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, I'm very well. Nice to, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. So before we dive into the film, I have a little bit of a question for you. What was your first acting job? Ah, that's a good question. Um, I have uh, my first um, paid acting job was a, uh, was a um, commercial for pesto sauce. <laughs> Uh, that I, that I, it was my first ever paid job, and I had a, I got this commercial for pesto sauce, for Sackler pesto sauce, quite a famous European pesto sauce, and I had to, and it was with an Italian production company, and I had to go to Budapest in Hungary and uh, film this sort of epic um, pesto sauce advert, <laughs> and uh, I absolutely loved it, yeah. Um, but that was, that's quite an unconventional first acting job, I feel. I like it though. I like it. it's definitely different. It's a good story, right? Yeah, yeah. It was it was rather ridiculous, and I, I sort of thought I got treated like a king because it's an, it's advert money, you know, crazy money, and with these sort of passionate Italians all around me in Europe doing this advert, and I thought it was very glamorous, and uh, it it didn't continue like that. Don't worry about it. But <laughs> but I uh, I loved it at the time. Yeah, it was ridiculous. So Paul Dude is about a weedy charity shop worker who is set on winning the big national talent show. But when actions of five selfish people cause him to miss his audition, he sets out to seek deathly revenge. One lunch break, five spectacular murders. Tom, what attracted you to play the role of Paul in this film? One million dollars. No, um, I, uh, no, I <laughs> well, I had worked with um, writer-director Nick and the producer Finn. We had, we'd worked together before and he approached me and it just sounded really exciting. You know, a fun project and um, I, you, I haven't been loads of leads. I've done it a few times in films and when you get asked these things you kind of go oh, well, my answer is probably going to be yes let then let me read the script uh, and I, I read it and thought it was just seemed like a lot of fun and um, that uh, that proved to be true and also it's slightly different to what I've done because it's sort of I've done quite a lot of comedy but it was a sort of action comedy if you like and um, that appealed as well so I'm getting quite old there's not much longer I'll be able to do any action <laughs> What's one of the things that stand out is is the wide range of emotions that Paul kind of goes through, and it's very early on in the movie. So when he's working, he finds out the audition is in town earlier than anticipated, and then obviously getting all of his pieces together, he's rushing around. What was it kind of like playing in that headspace of Paul, who was quirky, he's funny, he's flamboyant, but also at the same time, he's... He's kind of, I wouldn't say deranged, but kind of he turns deranged at some point because of how bad this audition does end up going for him. So how was it like playing in that headspace? Um, yeah, I think you're right. He does go deranged. He sort of starts off quite sweet and naive and um, probably a little bit simple, let's be honest, because he's sort of like, you know, he's a wannabe. He's a wannabe fame, famatron, whatever you call them. And um, and uh, as, as you say, as things go go pear-shaped we say um he he be, does become deranged um for me playing it is, is brilliant because you want something juicy to sort of do when you're on screen and you want something to get your teeth into and it's somehow sometimes the more 
extreme the emotions, the easier it is because you you know what you're doing more. Um, but for me to play slowly, getting to range was yeah, was great. And uh, I had worked with Nick um, on an, another film where I was very much deranged um called the ghoul which is a, a low budget brick flick and i i was permanently deranged <laughs> through the entire of that film um so that's maybe why he taught me for the part deranged i don't mind i don't mind if people want to give me more deranged parts so and i'm not going to dive too much into spoilers but you have the yeah. sequence that kind of leads into the final act and that final act is very very intense but the performance that you put on is, it's very fun, but it's also very serious. You're trying to put on a show. So what was it like kind of being able to put that show on towards the end of the movie? Yeah, it was, it was a highlight of, of, of the filming process. Cause um, of course we, we shot it out of sequence. So it wasn't as though that was at the end, but um, psychologically it was at the end. And I, and I felt pressure because I knew that that was the, the the finale, sort of. You know, I didn't want to mess it up um, first, but um, I it's, I originally started out doing live comedy, and um, that was my that's where I started off doing stuff, performing, and I used to sort of improvise quite a lot and do quite physical, um, not physical theatre but physical comedy, um, and um, quite a lot of dancing. So you know, if you improvise quite a, quite a lot of dancing, you don't have to improvise talking. Um, which is sort of, you know, it's easier somehow. So I used that. So I was quite used to improvising physical stuff. So we 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 made a plan not to rehearse too much. So um, and then there's the crew and our lovely cast all surrounding and some other strangers. So it felt like a sort of small gig, really a small show. So it was an utter buzz. And I, I sort of did it once and was utterly, utterly exhausted. And then Nick, Nick said, OK, let's go again. And uh, I felt like I sort of snapped all my bones in my body. Uh, <laughs> but I absolutely loved it. it. It was thrilling and I was quite tense and a bit and quite nervous. But um, I think that that's always driven me. And, and, and often you get a crazy energy out of that nervousness um, if you try and uh, capture it. And, and Nick made it made it that sort of environment. So it's like a small gig. Yeah. So the one more question about the character himself here is yeah. the outfit, the costumes, the makeup. <laughs> yeah. The whole razzle dazzle, like what was, what was? I'm sure that was fun, right? It was fun. I mean, I did get um, a lot of chafing from the sequence, <laughs> which is in places that you don't want to know, Richard. Um, I did have to have extra, <laughs> extra padding um, in certain places because of sequin chafe, um, which I never thought I'd. I'd <laughs> I never thought, you never thought you'd have a gig where you'd have to worry about that, right? No, not really, no. Um, so a lot of sequins, and that was all um, through, through our brilliant uh, costume designer, uh, Yasmin uh, Knox. Um, and she created all those clothes and bespoke clothing and made, you know, put beautiful effort into it. And, and Nick really wanted a sort of idea of a little bit Ziggy Stardust, really, and a little bit of that sort of 70s glam rocker. Um, and um, yeah, I loved it. I loved it. I mean, they were, they were quite tight as well. <laughs> I haven't really got a beer belly, but I felt like if, I, if you wear a sequin sort of onesie, tight onesie, then I think most people get a beer belly, perhaps apart from Iggy Pop. 
Yeah, I like it. Um, okay, so you're a writer, you're a director, you're an actor. How have you found yourself staying creative throughout this kind of lockdown pandemic? Yeah, well, um, I have uh, struggled, to be honest. Yeah, I'm sure every, everyone is the same. Um, I, um, I've struggled to be able to concentrate because I think I sort of started thinking about, I've got sort of various different projects. Um, and if I was solo on my own trying to concentrate, then I inevitably I'd, I'd end up looking at death rate figures um, and then sort of looking at death rate figures in the Philippines and then comparing it to here, which has of course been absolutely terrible here, but appallingly handled. Um, but, um, so yes, I found it very hard to concentrate. And the, but the main factor um, really is that I've been having to homeschool my daughter. <laughs> And she, uh, and she is utterly brilliant and very good, but um, I'm not a very good teacher. So I thought I'd be good. I arrogantly thought that I'd, I'd be a good teacher. I don't know why. My father was a teacher and I thought, oh, it's okay. It's in my genes. And it's not in my genes at all. Uh, I had no patience. So um, I, I was very bad at it. And she's just started school again yesterday. So I feel an enormous release. So to, to being creative, I, I've found it very, very hard. I mean, luckily, I have a couple of other projects which are with other people. So with working with other people, it's managed to take your mind off things. Um, but on the whole, I, I bow down to anyone who's gone out there and um, done anything creative, really, whether it's writing a screenplay, writing a book or simply doing a, a poem with four lines in it. Then I, I think, well done, because you've managed to create something in these extraordinary times. Yeah, that's one thing for me that I've noticed because you're in your house, you're, you're in your house and you're trying to be creative. And it's like, whether you're helping your daughter do school, like for me, it's like when you become a school teacher, you're not prepared. A, it's the worst paying gig for you yourself because you're not getting paid. But then you think about, my God, we're not paying teachers enough because I'm struggling here myself. And I can't imagine when they deal with like 15, 20, 30 versions of our kids. And it's like, wow, right? I absolutely agree with you. I think they should be they should have the highest paid jobs in the world, really, because they're, they're doing the fundamental. They're sowing the seeds of the future and they have to have the most incredible patience and understanding um, of these small, tiny tantrum, tantrum, possibly sort of giving kids. You know, I, I, I think you're absolutely right. Um, and I and I. Yeah, extraordinary. It's like I was sort of an unpaid classroom assistant and I, and I was still very bad at it it's just yeah I mean that the whole sort of most most of the world I guess had to do it in some form um so yeah everyone experienced it madness so I've got one more fun one before we go um uh, and I feel like it was fitting with the character Paul um what and this is the one I ask everybody that I have come on my show what uh -oh. is your favorite <laughs> he's like let me take a drink for this one <laughs> <laughs> Oops, a bit of a vodka. <laughs> exactly. I forget. I keep on forgetting. It's eight a.m. here, so it's like. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Not drinking vodka. I'm no, not I'm drinking vodka. Uh, <laughs> but it's a responsible time for you to be drinking right now. Obviously not. Uh, <laughs> but what is your go-to karaoke song? Oh God. Well, that's good. Um, well, I the oh, God, it was a long time since I've done karaoke. Um, um, oh no, that's really hard. Uh, I well, I think if if I wanted to play it safe, I would go sort of like an Elvis because I have I have a deep 
got a deep voice and I, I'm not a particularly good singer hitting high notes. So I would, I would do the deep voices and, or maybe Johnny Cash. Um, uh, I look, and I quite like the mournful Johnny Cash numbers, uh, things like Hurt, maybe something like that. Uh, like, uh, yeah, yeah, something like that. Um, uh, yeah. I'd, I'd, God, it's a good question. I'd yeah, I love it. I love it. The wide range of answers that I get on these is it's fantastic because, you know, we all like most of the people I ask, you know, we're not singers, right? You know what I mean? So it's like you, you're ter like for me, my go to is living on a prayer by Bon Jovi. Right. And somebody goes, well, can you hit those high notes? I'm like, absolutely not. But it's fun trying. You know what I mean? <laughs> I had to do singing for this, uh, for the Paul Dude film. And uh, I had to do it at the end. And I worked with a professional sort of music um, director who was very cool and very patient with me. Um, but he, he had to give me some serious tuition on the high notes. Oh, my God. And I think he possibly had to do quite a lot of digital work after I'd finished. So um, I can go deep, but not high. I don't know what that says about me as a person. That's Tom, not my thank, anyway. Yeah, Tom, thank you so much for your time today. I really do appreciate Paul Dude's Deadly Lunch Break debuts at the South by Southwest Film Festival next week. Fantastic performance, fantastic film. It's a whole lot of fun. I laughed throughout. It's funny because I found myself laughing at some points. I'm like, am I supposed? I think I'm supposed to be laughing, right? <laughs> it treads a line. Uh, I'm really glad you enjoyed it. That's very nice to hear. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thanks, Richard. That's been lovely. Cheers.